Amen. Can't joke with you guys because some of you guys were out here in the lobby as we were getting uh, started this morning. Uh, after the first uh, service, or after Rory spoke in the first service, I said, well, let's all go home. All right, amen. But I uh, can't do that for you guys today. Um, first of all, I just want to welcome you here. Um, how about that extra hour of sleep? Kind of nice, huh? Extra hour of sleep tonight? I, I'm really excited about that, actually, because uh, as I came down here last night and the Lord began to kind of switch up, and it, you're going to see a theme of that because the Lord has switched up in this entire uh, message. The second service message, I'm sure, won't be exactly the same uh, as the first service message, but as I, was, as I was preparing and as I was speaking to the seats, um, the, I was just really grateful that I had an extra hour of sleep this morning to, to wake up and to, and to finish and allow the Lord to, to just kind of hone and shape what he wanted to do today. Um, and what a privilege it is for me to be with here, uh, with you here. As uh, this is my family, um, and I said that during the first service. And I think sometimes when we say those things, people are like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." But I, but I want you to know that I really see you guys as my family, uh, in very much the same way. And Stephanie will attest to this that uh, the same way that I look at, at at my own family members who are blood, uh, um, I look at you guys the same way. And while I don't know every one of you as closely as I, as I would like to, um, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit has given me a love for this church and for the people who are in this church. And so this is a, always a special time for me when I get a chance to come up here. Um, if you're new, uh, welcome. Uh, and you've joined us clearly during a very special season. You might have gathered that from some of what Rory is, is talking about. And uh, you may be wondering what's going on, and, and, uh, and uh, this is a little bit different than normal. I assure you we are going to get back to our regularly scheduled programming very soon. Uh, but uh, the good news is, is if you don't like what I have to say, you're in luck, uh, because when you come back next week, I won't be up here. So, uh, so that's a good thing, right? And today's message is a, is a very personal one for me. It's, it's a personal one for you, too. It's about our church. It's about uh, a story, a little bit of my own. And, and, uh, and as we continue on this journey that the Lord has us on together. As I was preparing for this week, I was actually originally uh, scheduled to speak on our statement of faith. And I know if you guys have been here the last couple of weeks, you've, you've already had an opportunity to hear a, a little bit about that. Uh, we laid out some of our basic, uh, you know, basic uh, doctrines of the church. We laid out some theological distinctives, and and, uh, and my section was was really uh, on uh, uh, what we call biblical doctrine, which I'll get to in a minute. But um, but what's important in that is that as Chad and Blaine spoke each week, uh, the Holy Spirit began to mold and craft something in me from each of their teachings, uh, and. Uh, after lunch last week, I was so full of ideas. Like the, the Holy Spirit, you know, you know how sometimes he just gets a hold of us and he just keeps throwing things out our way and, and filling our mind with, uh, with ideas? Well, that was me this last week after church. And we went out to, to lunch at Tasty Treat and I was kind of remarking to Steph. I said, man, there's like five sermons I want to preach. Like these guys are getting me excited. Uh, and there's like five sermons I want to preach. Well, Rory took one of them on Wednesday night, so that left me with four. And the good news for you guys is that we don't have enough time for four sermons, uh, so I'm only going to preach three. Just kidding. <laughs> we'll try to get out of here at a reasonable hour. But 
Um, and I'm keenly aware that we just went through that extra hour of sleep, which is awesome. But if you're like me, your stomach is still on the previous time. So it thinks it's, it's, it's one whatever, or what time is it right here? Yeah, it thinks it's 1230. So I'm trying to be sensitive to that. Uh, but as you know, we got a little bit of a late start today. And there's a lot to go through, and so um, I'll get us done as quick as I can. But, but the theme here is, is the Holy Spirit. And so if I'm going to be faithful to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to speak whatever he has for today. And we'll go from there. And we'll get, we're, we're working on this. We want to get respect your time, as we already talked about. Just have you guys know, I wasn't in the meeting, so I'm not bound to that. So um, <clears throat> anyway, let's, let's go. And I, I just have to say this because it's actually kind of funny. Um, I got here today, and just the whole theme of the Holy Spirit and him changing things up on me and, 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 and working through this sermon. It's just been an, an incredible time, but I got here, and literally, I, I, had my, I grabbed my notes for today. You can see there's four pieces to the introduction, and the last one says, pray and Holy Spirit. Well, I got here, and I wanted to review what I was, what was doing, and, and right during the middle of ser- uh, the first service worship, I was sitting in the back, and I started to go through, and I grabbed the first page, and the next page is blank, blank, blank. I'm like, uh-oh, that's not what I meant, God, by relying on the Holy Spirit. So I rushed out of here and went, and thank goodness, uh, I hadn't erased it or deleted it. For, something, for some reason, the printer just messed up. So, uh, but man, the Lord was just, just loving to test me today in this whole Holy Spirit thing. Uh, a lot of questions have been brought up since we started this, this discussion regarding the direction God is leading the church towards covenant membership. And, and I, and I want to be sensitive to that. And, and in fact, uh, if you were here on Wednesday, you heard a wonderful teaching from Rory uh, on oaths and covenants throughout Scripture. And, and it was really good. It was good. The Lord spoke to me. Uh, as I said, that was actually something the Lord had kind of put on my heart. And so it was really just neat to see that God is working in this elder team in an incredible way that he just continues to, to manifest that the Holy Spirit is, is in unity and like-minded. Uh, and Wednesday before, Kevin taught us from Acts about the early church and looking at the church in Acts 4 as they were moved by the Holy Spirit and what that looked like. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and I took away something from that. I didn't share it during the first service, but but as they gathered together and they prayed and the, and the Lord was moving, man, that place where they were standing was shaken. The ground literally was shaken. And, and here's the thing. Even though the ground maybe isn't shaking this morning here, literally, like the ground is being shaken around us. And I want you to remember that as, as we go and, and as we move through this, this teaching today, which is really less of a teaching and more of a, uh, of a chance for me to share my heart as an elder uh, about, about what God is doing in our church. Last Sunday, Blaine taught through the statement of faith and his own testimony of the work of God in his life, bringing him to a place of submission, touched my heart. The week before, Chad did an incredible job giving an overview of some of the reasons behind covenant membership, just, just really laying out why it is that we're defining these things and, and, and pulling this all together and, and, and bringing definition and clarity to the mission that God has given to us. It was, it was a great teaching. Like I said, each one of these guys, the Lord has spoken uh, to me. And this week, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to change it up slightly because I'm not going to teach from the biblical doctrines. And you might wonder, well, why is that? I mean, why, aren't, aren't we here to, you know, to keep learning about this membership thing? And the answer is yes. But, but the, the thing about what Blaine taught and what, what Chad taught, are those are in your covenant, uh, sample covenant form. And as we were going through, the biblical doctrines are really um, just a summary, really, of, of all that stuff brought back together. And, and so for me to teach that today uh, would, would really um, be taking Chad and Blaine's teaching and kind of combining them, which were two full teachings, mind you, to begin with, uh, and then um, having 14 separate and distinct doctrines, which really you could, you could preach an entire sermon on every one of those. So the best I could do is maybe give them three minutes apiece. And as I, and, and as I was 
thinking about that, I just prayed the past two weeks, and I felt like the Lord was leading up to this week. I could sense the Spirit leading me in a different direction. And in learning obedience and submission to the Spirit, uh, I realized God had something different for me to preach today. And as I listened to each successive teaching from my brothers, um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in each one very, very specifically. Uh, and I sincerely wish, I mentioned this in first service, that I'd written everything down. Uh, you ever do that once in a while? You just get this revelation from the Lord and you think, man, that's so awesome. And then, and then you get home and you're like, what was that again? <laughs> well, that was, that was me each week that these guys taught. And, and praise God, by his grace, as I, was, as I was preparing for this week, he just brought back to memory those things. And several of them I wrote back down. And as I recounted God's faithfulness, I began to see a theme that God was weaving together of unity and direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit to bring us to this exact point right now in time. This church, this time, right now. And to put it more succinctly, it's a story, or really a kind of a collection of stories. It's his story, and it's our story, yours and mine, our church the hand of God so clearly moving this body. And the, and the truth is, it's all his story, isn't it? It's all his story. And if you put his story together, you get the word history. And so that incorporates our past, but it also incorporates what's yet to be written. It's his story. And that's not to say that I'm going to abandon the statement of faith completely, although I didn't really get to it much uh, in the first service. But I hope to illustrate to you just how much this story that we're talking about is actually lived out through our statement of faith. And it's my hope that you will see it too, that you will see the Holy Spirit at work in this church. We'll get back to that. But in a way, um, you could say I'm not really teaching through it so much as teaching to it. And, and this is, a, this is a, a neat time that, you know, we've, we've set aside this time for the elders to kind of share their heart. And, 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 I, and I want you to know what you're hearing from me is, is my heart. It, uh, it, it's what the Lord has, sh- has shown me through this time. And, and, and Blaine had an opportunity to do that last week, too. He spoke about, a little bit about his story, the process, where God has, has brought him, where he's bringing our church. And, and, and why, as an elder, do we see uh, this, this step that we're taking so, so important? And I, and I want to just say this, that church, God is moving. He's moving in individuals, you and me. He's, he's moving in this church, and he's moving throughout the earth. This story of awakening is really composed of, of three separate stories, and I'm going to try to, to get through them as quickly as I can today. But they're woven into a single tapestry. And in truth, God is moving in a much broader scope than, than just three stories. I, I, I understand that. It wouldn't do justice to say God's only moving in these three things. But for the sake of, uh, of time and the relevance to today and what God is doing in this church, we're going to look at three stories. And we can learn a lot from his story. And as Rory put it, you know, God's past faithfulness, it demands our present trust. Amen? Um, I just want to start by the first story. We're going to look at three. We're going to look at what God is doing in the earth. Uh, and I'm telling you this in advance because it, there's a lot here, and I'm going to go through it. And, and, I, and I want you to see it how, it, how it feeds together, how it comes together. But we're going to talk about his story, what, what I see him doing on the earth. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about an, some individual stories, more specifically my story, but some of you might relate to this too. Uh, 
Because God is working in, in you. And you're a part of this story. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about our church. And thank goodness, uh, Rory, uh, I had no idea he was going to do such an amazing introduction during first service. And, and, uh, and I told him, do it again in second service because he's talking about the story of this church. Less I have to do, too. So anyway, no. <laughs> but, uh, but, it's, but it's really an amazing thing to see it come together. But I want to start with this story uh, of what God is doing on the earth. It's clear to see, and before I, actually before I move forward, I, I want to establish some credibility with you. And, and I think we can all agree on this statement. But God is in control. Amen? God is in control. Nothing is outside the scope of what he sees. It's, it's all under his authority, his governance. You'll see why, why that's important, but, but even when we look at history and we look at the, the biblical history of Jesus coming to the earth, it's a, it's a beautiful picture. It's a study for another time, uh, but, it, but you see that even the, the exact moment in time that Jesus comes in, in, into, into human form, into humanity, and, and enters the world, it's, it's the perfect time. Culturally, significantly, what's going on in the earth? It's perfect condition for the spread of the gospel. And I won't go into that, uh, but, but there is another part of that because we're talking about God's timing. And, and, and that's this, that even in the book of Daniel, I don't know how many of you guys are aware of this, but Daniel gives a prophecy. And, and many people have, have, um, have looked at this prophecy. It's one of the most incredible things to me personally that, that you can look to in scripture. But 173,000, 880 days before Jesus is on the foal of a donkey walking into Jerusalem. Daniel predicted that through the Holy Spirit. God is in control. So with that said, here's the story of, of awakening. And, and, I, and I don't ask that all of you would, would agree with me. This isn't a, this isn't a story about end times and, and theology of end times. But, but here's what I want to tell you. We're living in a, in a day of drastic changes. And, and many of you guys can see that. You don't, you don't have to be a believer to look around and see that, that the world is changing. You don't have to be a believer to, to look around and see that, that there are things happening now at this point in, in history that have never happened before. And, and here's the thing. The last hundred years have been times of incredible change on the earth. It's, it's, it really is fascinating when you, when you look at it. Uh, if, if you look at the past hundred years, we've, we've seen some, some incredible things. We've seen two world wars. We've seen the Holocaust. We've seen, uh, the, we've seen Israel come back into being after years of, of not existing, prophetic things you know, you know, happening in, in our world, in our time. We've seen the first commercial airline flight a hundred years ago. Do you guys realize that? Today we can get on a plane and we can go to any destination in the earth and, and be there in 24 hours or less. Technology is moving at an incredible pace. Uh, I, I work in that sector. I work with, uh, with devices and, and creating interaction between uh, devices and, and things that, that, that work like heart rate monitors. But the things that are happening with, with implants and what Google says will, will be in bodies in the next five to ten years is incredible. Things that 10, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you talk about that, people called you a conspiracy theorist. Uh, this, is, this is real technology now, and it's incredible, and it's changing. The world is changing. I want you guys to understand that. But also in all this change, when we look around at that, the point, the point isn't, to, isn't to look at world events and, and, and be afraid, although Jesus tells us to watch, does he not? Constantly, 
In the, in the word, we see Jesus give us a call to watch. He, he talks about it in seasons, and I'm going to talk about it in seasons because that's, that's his terminology, and, it, and it's, a, it's a good picture. We're, we are living in seasons of time. And he says, look, look at the nations. In Luke, he says, look at the fig tree, which he's talking about Israel. Look at the fig tree, and then look at all the trees. Look at the nations and what's happening and see that I'm at work. In China, and how this is relevant. So if we go to Matthew 24... And God tells us that there are some things that are going to happen in the latter times. One of those things that he talks about is he says that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. He talks about the love on the earth growing cold because of lawlessness, because of sin. And people growing cold towards one another. He talks about some perilous times ahead, but even in the bad, there's good. And God is doing the good. And we're a part of that. So we look at China. Since 1949, 1949, the best estimates that they have, there were a million believers in communist China. In 2007, there were 100 million believers in communist China. And this isn't the only place on the earth where this is happening. My family has a rich history in Brazil. When they went down there in the 1940s, there were very few places that were open to the gospel in Brazil. Today, the Assemblies of God alone, which just happens to be the denomination that, that, that they are, uh, were missionaries with, is 20 million adherents from almost nothing in 1940. What was a, a Catholic and largely spiritist and voodoo-fearing uh, voodoo, uh, nation is now uh, largely an evangelical nation. They, they predict by the year 2025 that 50% of Brazil will be evangelical Christian. That's amazing. And that's not the only place that God is moving. He's moving in Africa. He's moving in Asia. He's moving in Russia. You know, a hundred years ago, and, and this just kind of speaks, I want you guys to understand, there is something happening on the earth. A hundred years ago, the center of Christianity was in Europe. If we pulled up a, a map and we mapped Christianity, the, the, the largest percentage of the, of the church would have, would have said, this, it's in Europe. Today, Europe is largely secular. And, and that has spread. The, the Western church, America, has grown in the past hundred years. Largely influential, but look at what's happening in our own nation. And in that same span of time, these, these instances that I've given you of God moving around the earth. You know, Matthew 24, we'll go back to it. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a, as a witness and a testimony before all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel is going forward on the earth. And there are a lot of people who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. And it's only by his grace that he's showing us this awakening. Amen? It's his grace. He is moving. Whether we see it or not, whether we choose to see it or not, God is moving on the earth. I want you guys to see that because this is, this is kind of the global meta-narrative of what the Lord has shown me. There's persecution in the church. But there's the spread of the gospel. And guess what? Just like the Bible predicted that Jesus would ride in on the foal of a donkey 173,880 days before it happened to the day. He predicted those things as well. It's there. Read it. God says, watch. Watch. Be ready. Be at work. That same gospel talks about faithful servants 
who are working, and the master finds them working when he comes back. And he also warns of, of the, other, the same servant if he, if he gets drunk with the world, if he becomes worldly. And he, and, and he says, my master is delayed, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to forget about the mission at hand. The master comes back, and he finds the, the servant. He calls him wicked and lazy. And what happens isn't good. And so when we see, when we talk about this, this awakening, it's, it's really critical. Jesus says, watch, be ready, be awake. If you read his parables, if you read, if you read the words of Jesus, it's woven throughout all of Scripture. He's, it's there. Read the red letters. It's really critical. But this is not a sermon about end times theology. It's a, it's a sermon about awakening. It's a sermon about what God is doing on the earth. So with that, I, I want to transition quickly because we're, we're going to rapidly run through time here. I'm going to transition to the individual stories, and, and I'm going to focus a little bit on my story because it's a story of awakening. And we're going to talk a little bit about the church, but I'm going to talk about my story first. And there's a lot to this story. Uh, my wife said, make it concise, babe, because you could talk a lot when you talk about your testimony. Uh, so I wrote some, some things down. And, uh, and so I'm going to skip a lot of details, but, but I'm going to point out a couple things. First of all, I, I need to establish with, with you, I grew up in the church. Uh, you know, why is that important? Well, uh, you know, I was in youth group. We were there whenever the church doors were open. I was the model uh, church kid. My youth pastor would have pointed out and said, that's the, that's the kid that's following Jesus. And guess what? I had a relationship with Jesus from a very early age. And, and you know, and I saw at that point in my life, even then, the hand of the Holy Spirit many, many times working in my life. But I was also very young and immature, and I didn't have people in my life who were necessarily uh, discipling me the way that I needed to be discipled. But, but for what I knew, and, and praise God, he just is so wonderful. For what I knew, he, he was there beside me, and he was growing me. I grew up in the church. Why is that important? Well, um, you know, with my family history and growing up in the church, um, I, I just assumed that the natural thing that good church kids do was go to Bible college. Whether you wanted to be in business or teach or do whatever, uh, you go to Bible college. At least that's what my youth pastor talked, uh, you know, tried to talk me into. And, and honestly, I didn't really have a lot of desire to do it. Um, but something happened, and it's important to the story. Uh, and so I'm going to tell it real quick. I didn't have it originally in my notes. But uh, as I was in my senior year of high school, and uh, I had a lot of opportunities in front of me, and I wanted to, um, to go to a prestigious school. I wanted to study some things that, and use my gifts that I felt like the Lord had given me. Uh, and, um, and so I had applications out to a lot of different places, and I was very indecisive. I didn't know. I just didn't have peace. You, you guys ever been there? You're, you're going through life and, and you're trying to, to, to follow the Lord or you're, or you're trying to, to do something and, and, you, and you feel like you just don't have peace, right? And so that was me. And so um, a, a woman, a dear, a dear lady named Darlene Little called me up on the phone and she just, just passed away this year. A wonderful woman, friend of the family. She called me up and she, she said, have you ever thought about going to Bible college, Bethany, to be exact? And I I almost felt embarrassed, but I said, no. <laughs> and uh, she said, oh, well, um, I just thought you might want to consider it. And I said, okay. And I was just being polite. And, and uh, she said, I'm going to send you an application. And I said, okay, yeah, go ahead and send an application. That's fine. I had no intention of, of, uh, of, of even looking there. And uh, she said, you know, your, your, your family, you would, you've had three generations of your family that have gone here. Do you know that? And I said, no, I didn't really know that. I didn't realize my great-grandma had gone there, my grandma, my mom. Uh, and so I, I would be the fourth generation. That, that didn't really sway me. But as, as we were wrapping up the conversation, she said, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll send this application out to you. 
And I don't know how to describe it to you. But as I hung up the phone, I I kid you not, as I hung up the phone, I knew I was going to Bethany College. I knew it. The Holy Spirit spoke to me right there. He said, you're going. And you know what? It was the greatest peace. <laughs> you know, I'd been in turmoil. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Uh, and, I, and I called and I even had some applications out to, to schools that I, I was dead set uh, on wanting to be a part of. And I, and I even withdrew those. I was that confident of what the Lord had spoken to me. It was an amazing summer. When you know you're in the will of God, that's a lot of peace. It's great. Exciting. So I went to Bethany. Why is that important? Well, three of the most significant events that ever happened in my life. Well, I mean, there's several others since then, but up until that point, and, and still to this day, some three very significant events. I'm going to run through them briefly. First of all, uh, and probably one of the most important, clearly, uh, is I met my wife. <laughs> That's awesome. I met Stephanie at Bethany. Praise God. And uh, the other one is my grandfather died. That's a sermon for another day. But that was a significant, significant event in my life. For those of you who know a little bit of the history of our family, that was a significant event in my life. Um, And third, 19 years ago, almost to the day, which means this sermon is 19 years in the making. On October 31st, one of the other significant events happened in my life. It was in a chapel service, and I I really need to kind of set this up a little bit because um, I wasn't a super spiritual you know, kid. I, I call it spiritual emphasis week, but really what that meant was extra chapel credits because uh, I needed extra chapel credits. We were given like 12 or 14, something like that, uh, credits that we could miss because we had chapel every day. And, uh, and so um, I routinely went over the number of allotted credits. Uh, and God's past faithfulness demands our present trust, right? So I realized I needed to get some extra chapel credits. And so I went to the service that night, and Spiritual Emphasis Week meant that we had a missionary or an evangelist that was there, and they were speaking, and, and, and you could get extra chapel credit for going. So, of course, I'm going to bank up those chapel credits. So I went, and I, I can't tell you what the sermon was on. I can't tell you much. I can just tell you this, that as I was standing there, and we were closing the service, we were getting ready to go to the harvest party that night, and my friend Brent, who was the best man at my wedding, was the socials director, and so all we were thinking about was getting out of there. And we were closing in praise and worship, and I, and I don't know how to describe it to you other than this. I got hit by the Holy Spirit, like a lead weight. And what I can say won't do it justice to describe it. But the closest I can, I can describe it is that it was like 300 pounds just landed on my shoulders. And, as I, and, and I can't move. I cannot move. I'm, I'm stuck in this standing position. And I hear him speak to me six words. He says, they're not going to be there. Have you ever had that happen where you, where you get some news that you're not expecting and you heard it and you understand what it, what it is, but, you, but at the same time you, you still ask the question, what, what? And I asked that question. I said, what, God? What? And I knew what he meant, but I, and he repeated it. The, the second I said, what, what do you mean? He said, look around. And I, I couldn't move, so I just looked to the left. I looked to the right. And I see people, hands lifted up around me and praising the Lord. He said, look around you. He said, some of them who are standing here today aren't going to be there. I don't know how to deal with that, God. I, you know, I, I, I gave you the story of, of my history because I just assumed that everybody that was there, we were all there, we're Christian kids, were there for the purpose of, of, of serving God, finding his will, right? That's why we come, that's why we're here. I was pretty naive. 
But in that moment, it, that was the last thing that was on my mind, was not my, how naive I was. It was the weight and the gravity of, of being hit by the Holy Spirit was something that I didn't know how to handle. And, it, and as, I, as we were singing, I just couldn't wait to get to the end of the song, not because of the harvest party, because I wanted to get out of there. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted to run. I, I was afraid of what was going to come out next. I was afraid of what was going to burst out of me because I couldn't handle the emotion. And I, I can't remember, I thought I saw Stephanie before the harvest party. We had started dating the day before, so uh, I did not want to blow that one. So I said, um, I've got to go, and uh, I'll be back, uh, but there's something I've got to take care of. And I didn't talk to anybody else. I just beelined for my car, sitting at the top, of, parked above the chapel. And I got in my car, and I drove. And I drove past the fancy administration building, and I drove past the sign as you come onto campus, and as I turned the corner and I started going down the road, I couldn't contain it anymore, the emotion. And I began to just weep. And I cried. And I drove as, as far as I could get, which was about a mile. And I pulled over and it's raining outside. And I just began to weep and to sob. And I didn't even know why I was crying except for this burden. And it wasn't my burden. It, it was the Holy Spirit. And I didn't know what to do with that. And I cried out, I said, God, what, what are you show, why are you doing this? What are you trying to show me? Is, is this somebody? Is this a friend? Is this a, is this a brother? Is this a roommate? God, show me who this is. And I just called out and I prayed for about 15 minutes. Never had that experience before. I didn't know what to do. Honestly, I've never had that exact experience ever happen again. But about 15 or 20 minutes later, and this will kill the spirit every time, there was red and blue uh, lights flashing in my rearview mirror. And one of Scott's Valley's finest was parked behind me. And I looked at my, myself and I said, I, I don't know how I'm going to explain this one. <laughs> and I saw him get his flashlight out as he walked into the car. I'm just trying to fumble through what I'm going to say when he, when he asked me what I'm doing out here. And he does, he asks, you know, and of course he sees me, I'm a mess. He says, are you okay? <laughs> and I said, officer, I'm just having a hard day. I really, it's nothing, it's not, nothing really, I promise. It's, it's okay. And, um, and he wasn't buying it, but he walked away and he said, I'm going to be back in about five or ten minutes and i just got to run up the road here. I'm going to just check on you on my way back down. And as soon as I saw him take off and his lights were safely in the distance, I, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to be here when you get back. <laughs> so I drove, I turned around, I, I turned my car back around, started heading back towards the campus, and you know what? It was gone. The burden was gone. I didn't even understand why I'd been crying, but I remembered what had just happened to me. And I said, God, what? What are you trying to show me? Is this, is, are you trying to change the course of direction of my life? What are you trying to show me here? Nothing. Dead silence. And as I drove up onto the campus and as I got back up there, I thought to myself, I really need to compose myself. I, I, I'm not gonna, certainly not going to explain this to Stephanie um, or my friends. So I sat in my car for quite a while. <laughs> my eyes were pretty puffy. I did not want to be seen. I didn't want anybody to know what was going on. And, uh, and, I, and I prayed, and it was just silence. It was just dead silence. You know, I thought about that for, that's my alarm to tell me, it's 12. I thought about that for a couple days, and you know what happens um, when it's not God's time? Uh, I, I slowly began to forget about it. It just kind of faded in my, in my memory. I thought, well, if that was God, he's going to reveal it in his time, his plan, his purpose. I'm, I'm good with that. But that was the beginning of an awakening. Um, we're going to fast forward really quickly because this is going to go, we're going to run out of time quick. But um, 
we moved to Prineville in, in uh, 2008. And, and for many of you know, who kind of know our story, uh, we lived in three separate houses within the first three years that we were here, maybe even two years. Um, but the first house we moved into, uh, I like to call the house where I was broken. Uh, and I didn't even realize this until I actually was putting this together this week, that there were three houses, and in each house was a step of, uh, and, you know, this was something God was doing. But the first one was where I was broken. The second one was where I was redeemed. And the third one was where I was awakened. And so the first house where I was broken, we got here, and, and, uh, and we were going through um, an incredibly difficult financial time in that house. Got here and had been doing things my own way for quite a while, and I was convinced, like, all of us who want to make money and use it for the Lord, <clears throat> um, that um, I couldn't understand why this was happening to me. God, clearly these are my gifts. Clearly this is what you have for me to be doing. Why is this not working out? It doesn't help that it's the Great Recession. We bought a business. Bad time to buy a business. But I was broken and I couldn't fix it. And during that time, my family was broken. My life was broken and I felt very, very very far away from God. And I realized that there were some serious cracks in the foundation. The Lord began to show me that. The foundation of my life was broken, and I felt so far from him. Fast forward, the next house like we lived uh, in was up, on, um, was up in Iron Horse neighborhood. And I call that the house where I was redeemed, because in that brokenness, God met me. About that same time that we were moving into that house, there was a new pastor coming to town. We had to compete for resources for who was going to help us move. But along with that new pastor coming to town was the first time that I had ever heard of, not heard of fasting, but of, we decided to do a fast as a church for a week in prayer. I'd never done that before. In fact, I'd probably fasted maybe a day my entire life. You know, maybe a couple meals here and there. I knew about fasting, but I didn't practice it. So seven days, that was quite a stretch, <laughs> going from nothing to seven days. But I was excited about it. You know why? Because God was doing something in my heart. And I put my list together, and I don't know how many of you guys can identify this, but I put, I put my list together of the things that I wanted God to do that week. And as we got through the week and as we were praying, I got to the end of the week, and I realized not a single one of mine were checked off. My God, don't you realize I haven't eaten for a week? I've been praying. We've been meeting together. What are you, what's going on? I was discouraged, and my grandmother knew that I was, knew that I was fasting, and so I, I reached out to her. And it was a very simple conversation. She said, what did, what did God do for you, Grandma? I don't know. She said, oh, don't worry. If you sought him with all your heart, he's going to show you. He's going to show you. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> she's a faster. She knows what she's talking about. So I came to the break the fast dinner that night. And I, that was my testimony. You know how we get together and we give testimonies? I was like, man, I don't know what God did, but I know he did something. And that was my testimony, and it was encouragement to me as much as it was. I was trying to convince myself as much as I was trying to convince everybody else. A few days later, I was walking in, in the house, and, and there were cracks in my, in my foundation. I mentioned that to you before, and that was, that was a life of sin and, and living uh, for Aaron. That had built, you know, there was this structure, and there were these things that I wanted God to build on this structure, but it was, but it was on a bad foundation, so it doesn't really matter how, how good the outside looks. If you're, if you're sitting on a bad foundation, the, the entire structure is in danger. And God knew that. So as I was walking through the house and I was getting ready, I, I thought, man, what, you know, I haven't had some problems with some of these, these tendencies, these natural sinful tendencies that are in my life that I've been struggling with forever. Man, I, 
just been a good week. And in that moment that I thought that thought, the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as day and said, that is what I did for you this week. And you know what? It was way better than my list. Praise God, right? Amen? He fixed the cracks in the foundation. And that's not to say that I didn't still struggle with those things, but for the first time in my life, I learned that I served a God who was more powerful than my sin. That changed my life. That was the house where I was redeemed. Next was the house where I was awakened. Man, i got to speed this up, 12.05. House where I was awakened. Well, this is just one big continuation because we kept fasting as a church, did we not? Some of you guys have participated in those fasts. Many of you have participated in multiple of them. During this particular fast, I'm not a reader. I don't like to read. I'll just put that out there. I'm not a, you know, a hobbyist in, in terms of reading. I don't like to just read for, for entertainment. Uh, sometimes I like to read for knowledge, uh, but, I'm, but I'm not much of a reader. And um, I began to just consume the word that week, like never before. And, and I began to open it up, and it was like the pages would pop off and, and, and speak to me like never before. And I realized this is, this is good. This is, aw- this is the bread of life. And, and the Lord just brought that to me. I'd never had that before. And at the same time, he started to awaken in me this, this remembrance of that day way back at, at school where he, had, where he had given me a vision uh, of, of an awakening that he had started in my life. And I began to think about that regularly. It came back to my mind a lot. Um, during, that, during that time, I began to have thoughts like, man, if this stuff is true, if what we're reading is, is true, man, we got to tell everybody about this, Right? If this is real, if this is true, if this is truth, we we gotta we gotta let people know about this. This is this is awesome. The Lord began to do that in my in my heart. Those were not the thoughts that I used to have, guys. Those were not the thoughts that I used to have. And I, I began to think, man, if there was anything that I could do the rest of my life, man, I would want to preach the gospel. That's what I would want to do. The Lord started to really awaken me. This is the story of my awakening. And, and here's how it relates a little bit uh, more carefully, because I told you the story of what God showed me, and he began to show me that, that the church is asleep in many places. And I'm not just talking about it, I'm talking about a, a Western church. You know, Keith Green has a song, and he says, the world is asleep in the dark, and, and the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. He's saying that back in the 70s, guys. And I began to look around and I began to see that it was true. And you know what? My church experience that I had gone through my entire life, and I didn't share this first for service, but, but I had seen that. I, I had experienced and been a part of some really awesome churches. But if you were to just take and ex- extract the Holy Spirit out of that, and we just relied upon the programming and, and, and the marketing methods and, and, and the cool get-togethers and the small groups and this and that, you could, have, you could have removed the Holy Spirit, and, and in a lot of those churches, I'm not sure that we would have recognized that he was gone. And the Lord began to show me that. And you know, when, he, when the Lord gives you a, a vision, when the Lord gives you something, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. And so I began to realize that that, that was a part of what, what his purpose for my life was, was to be a part of, of, of this awakening of the church. And to be a part, and I didn't realize what that meant at the time, 
But praise God, he's so faithful. But as I looked and I saw what God's doing in the earth, and I looked and I saw we have this church that's asleep, that began to, to really speak to my heart. So we're going to move forward because some of you guys have your own individual stories of awakening. And, and what I want you to see is these stories merge and they intersect together. God is awakening the earth. God is awakening people. And these stories fit together. And that's kind of where, where this plays into our church. Because our, our church is no, the story of our church is no less remarkable than that. Those who have been here a while, you, you've seen it. Those who are new, you, you might be experiencing it. Or maybe you felt it. Maybe you felt something different as you've been here. But it wasn't something that happened overnight. And speaking to that, Fred and Mary, who, who we've had the pleasure of sending out, uh, Fred put it in a, in a way that just really spoke to me. He said, you know, you guys are here, and, and you've been a part of this. And really, you and I know that, that this is new to us too. But he said, you guys have been here and the Holy Spirit's moving. He's all, so I don't know, it's kind of like maybe being in a frog in a boiling pot of water and you just kind of see it happening, but you don't realize the significance of it. He said, but man, when we came here, wow, we saw God was moving. And, and it impacted them so much that they moved here. And they asked us to be their sending church. And in a season where God has awakened us in the direction that he is leading us, I'm telling you, that is the move in the direction of the Holy Spirit. That's not coincidence. God is in control. God is awakening this church to his mission. A few months ago, we rolled out what we termed Radical Sunday. And if you recall, and I won't take the time to step through it all, but we laid out a visible uh, picture of the hand of God working methodically and systematically, guiding this church in a clear-cut and, dis and discernible path. And as we recounted the past faithfulness of, uh, faithfulness of God, we can so clearly see the Holy Spirit and how he's been guiding and leading this church. This church is a part of that same story. And, and praise God for Rory. I, he gave a beautiful picture of that in, in what he spoke this morning. I didn't even have to bring it out here. I can just speak from my heart in that. And much of this can be attributed to, we've brought this on ourselves, have we not? When we seek God in prayer and fasting, when we get on our faces before him and we beg him and we say, God, move. You know what my Bible says? It says, when you seek me, you will find me. And God is doing that in this church. So much of this can be attributed, I believe, very, very much in the bottom of my heart to fasting and prayer this church is, in grace, uh, is engaged in by the grace of God. With each successive fast, we've seen God awakening individuals. Some of you have experienced that. I don't know where you're at in your story of awakening, but you've, but you've been a part of that and you've tasted it just like I did. And, and he's awakening the fellowship as a whole into a greater understanding of what he is doing on the earth and the role and the purpose our church has to play in that plan. In that plan. Should this surprise us? No. Of course not. Some of you who have been here for any amount of time, you've participated in those weeks of prayer and fasting. They've been powerful. And I want to, to speak to that just briefly because the last two fasts, and I shared this with a couple of people, the last couple of fasts, I used to have my list that I made out. God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. 
in my life. It was for me. It was my list. God, there's these things. We need direction. We need to know what you're doing. We need, you know, we need to, to, to have direction in our jobs and finances and everything else. In the last two fasts, the Lord said, this fast is not about you. It's about your church. I want you to fast for your church. The first time I did that, I was a little bit bummed. I'm like, man, God, not, not even one little request. Just, you know. He said, fast for your church. So I did. And you know what? It was an incredible time. It really was. It was no different. I felt an incredible purpose in that fast. And we saw some amazing things happen as people gathered. There was this organic thing kind of going on. Okay? And, and people were getting together and they were saying, this is really cool. Like, we like being the church. We like getting together. We like reading the word, praying with one another. We were gathering every night of the week and really gathering some people three, three times a day for a week. It was awesome. I've got to tell you guys, I've been to a lot of churches. I've never experienced that in, in any one of them. And we've been to some great ones. But people started wanting to meet. So they, these organic kind of homegrown Bible studies kind of spun out of that for a while. People gathering together. Let's keep doing this. Let's, let's keep this going. And it worked for a little while. Eventually, you know, it, it kind of fizzled out. But it was cool to see what God did. He's growing his people closer together. So fast forward to this one, and again, I'm trying to be cognizant of time. But this fast, the same thing. The Lord really burned in my heart. And he said, fast for your church. This needs to be a praying church. This needs to be a church where the Holy Spirit is evident, where gifts are used. I wanted gifts in my life being used. I'm including myself in this. We're in this together. He said, pray for your church. And I said, I'm going to do it, God. I'm going I'm to fast. I'm going to pray for this church. In fact, I was so excited. I said, God, I'm going to fast as long as it takes. If it's 30 days, I'll fast 30 days. I'm going to fast until I know you've done this. And so I started even three days early. I thought, man, I'll get a jump on it. At the very least, I'll go two weeks. You know, I'm just, I'm going to do this thing. So I started early, and I got through the 10 days. And I got to tell you, after three or four days and after seven days, Man, you get to 10 days, and it's like, man, I'll, I'll keep going. God, whatever you want to do. And so I was fully prepared, and as we had our get-together that night for breaking the fast, as I was leading up to that day, I just felt the Lord say, break your fast. This isn't about how long you go. This is about your heart. Go ahead and break your fast. Feast with your family. And I did. And you know what? It was a hard week. The fasting part wasn't hard, but the, the praying, it wasn't like the time before. It was hard. It was labor. It was difficult. But God did an incredible thing. And as I sat there, and un, unsure of what that meant, unsure of what the Holy Spirit was doing, I listened to testimony after testimony after testimony of incredible things that God was doing in people's lives. I remember Jason Woody's testimony very vividly. It spoke to me. Pam had been praying, hey, get a hold of my family, God. Get a hold of my husband. And I heard him stand up and say, man, God touched me this week. And he talked about people that at work that he got to speak to about the Lord. And he talked about the God touching his back and doing things in, you know, in his life. And man, I was, I was inspired. Even though the Lord, you know, did, I, I didn't experience anything in, in my heart during that week for me. I was, I was excited. And I got more and more excited as we went around the room and I heard more and more things. Some people stood up and said, I'm struggling, pray for me. Other people said, man, God did amazing things. Other people said, I'm struggling with this sin. You know, it was cool. Man, that was the church. 
It was awesome. And we got to the end of the night. And some of you know this, some of you may not. I got to the end of the night and everybody had left. And the four of us were standing around. It was Kevin, it was myself, and, and it was Dean Hibbs and Cheryl Hibbs. And we were here and poor Cheryl's cleaning the church. And Kevin and Dean and I are just back there chatting. And we're like, hey, maybe we should help Cheryl. And she's like, no, guys, I'm, I'm done, I'm done. And Kevin had been sitting down and he stands up and we're getting ready to walk out. And Kevin's supposed to be on my ride, although I came to find out he didn't have his keys or his car. Uh, so Dean and Cheryl gave us a ride. But, but Kevin's all, can you guys pray for me? And you know what? When I, kn- I know Kevin well enough because we're, we're friends and we're elders and we walk through this together. He said, will you pray for me? My back is really bothering me. And for those of you who know Kevin, every once in a while his back, it just, go- it just goes out, right? He has some problems with his back. And I knew he meant, hey, tomorrow's Easter. Guys, i got to get through this thing and I just need to bear down. God, give me the strength. we got to get through this. I knew what Kevin meant. But we prayed. And we prayed in faith. And something happened. Cheryl prayed this amazing prayer too. It just touched me. I'm going to speak it again. She said, God, here's a guy who pours himself out for you. You just pour yourself into him. So elegant, so simple. And as we got done praying, all of a sudden I kind of look over and I'd had my hand on Kevin's shoulder and, and Dean had his hand on the other one. And all of a sudden Kevin's like, you know, like, what are you doing, Kevin? And he's like, it's like, man, it feels good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's standing like this, and he's like, whoa, there's no pain. We're like, well, praise God. And I, I don't know how to describe it. I wouldn't want to embarrass Kevin, but the only way I can describe it is Kevin was giddy. Like, I've never really seen Kevin giddy before. He was excited. He hadn't been able to really help with putting the tables away because his back had been bothering him. So he'd just kind of been talking with people and encouraging them. And he hadn't been able to step up on the stage. And, and he jogs down. And he comes up here and he's, he jumps up. He's like, you guys see me? He's a little tentative on the way down. He's like, no pain! <laughs> Man, we got excited. Just the four of us in here. It was awesome. And we know that God's done healings and, and things like that in our church before. It's the first time I've ever been a part of it and seen it and experienced it. God spoke to me. He said, Here, I'm moving. Dean gets excited. He's like, hey, um, can you guys, uh, can you pray for my back? <laughs> He's like, I've got problems in my back and had them for a long time and I don't sleep at night. It bothers me. And uh, so I said, well, Dean, you got, the secret is you've got to just stand exactly where Kevin stood and then we'll gather around. So Dean got it ready for prayer, and we prayed for Dean. And he said, well, you were praying? Man, I felt something. I felt something. My, my back, I could feel it tingling while you guys were praying. We're like, well, you know, what do you think? And Dean was a little less uh, excited about trying to test it like Kevin. But Dean's dealt with, with some pretty severe back pain for a long time. I said, well, praise God, Dean. I'm looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. I want to hear about it. See Kevin the next day. He's like, have you talked to Dean? No, no, I haven't talked to Dean. Go talk to him. Find Dean. He's like, during the greeting time, Dean, what's going on? He's like, dude, I slept like a baby last night. He's like, I haven't done that in forever. No pain. I said, no pain. He's like, no pain. Cheryl's like, I've never seen him like this. He's been in pain for a long time. He was excited when he woke up this morning. For weeks, I kept checking, no pain. Nope, no pain. It was awesome. 
God is doing something. How is that relevant? And as I'm trying to wrap up quickly here, how is that relevant? Well, a couple of months ago, I sat in a car with Kevin and we talked about what God is doing in this church. We have long conversations. Kevin likes to talk. I like to talk. You put the two of us together, we can talk for quite a while. Probably about 11, 30, 12 at night and sitting in, 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 the, in Kevin's driveway. And we're just talking about what God's doing. He's like, man, like, these outdoor services have been incredible. God is doing cool stuff. I said, yeah, but it's not just the outdoor services, Kevin. I mean, God just keeps doing cool stuff in our church. He's like, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I need a drink. He's like, yeah, you're right. So cool. See, Kevin, excited about what God is doing. And, but what was cooler was he, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, that night you guys prayed for me. He's like, that changed the way that I pray. I said, what do you mean? He said, when we went for Radical Sunday, but before that, when we went to Birmingham, he's like, I never would have prayed before. I would have prayed like, God, just, you know, open doors for us and, 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 you know, and just make this a profitable time. He said, I prayed and I said, God, bring us a contact in Birmingham. Bring us to somebody because you're doing something in this church and we, and we need help. We need direction. We need, you know, we need to plug into somebody. Bring us a contact at this conference. And his whole core group prayed that. They're all in on it. They all can testify to it. How cool is that? And they get there. And God opens door after door, and the first guy they sit by is Jack. Come to find out the ministry in Nepal and, and incredible things that God is doing through his life. And God opens the door for a contact. He's going to be here in two weeks. You guys are going to get a chance to, to hear directly from him. But it changed the way that we pray. And it blessed Stephanie and I so much because we've seen this in Kevin too. We had a, a, a situation with Janae, and we brought her into the front of the church, and we wanted everybody to lay hands and pray on her, pray for her, I mean. And we went around the circle. Kevin actually started the prayer. And we went around the circle. And you know how it is sometimes when we get together as Christians and we pray. God, if it's your will, do these things. And those are good prayers. Trust me, those are good prayers. But I got back around to Kevin. He said, and God, I just, I would feel weird if, you know, you like, we like to pray in this church for healing. That's the, that's the Kevin now that's been changed by prayer. The way that he prays. He said, we, it would be a disservice, God, if we didn't ask for you to heal Janae. And it touched my heart to hear him pray those words because I know what God is doing in Kevin. And I know what he's doing in this elder team. And I knew what he's doing in this church. You see, we're all a part of this story that God is doing. And it's an awakening. And he's, and he's doing it on the earth. And he's doing it in individuals. And he's doing it in this church. So what are the implications of that? I want you to understand that God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. This is his story. He's writing it. It's God's grace to you and me that he would even allow us to participate in it. That he would, he would choose to awaken this church in a time where so many are asleep, where there are churches oftentimes filled with dead bones. I've been there. I've been a part of it. <laughs> I've been, I've, I've been in those churches and I've been a part of that. And it's God's grace that he would awaken us. It's God's grace to this community and to the nations. What he's doing in this church. 
I mentioned it before. Jesus tells us to watch over and over and over again. It's a command to be diligent. I believe that regardless of whether you choose to become a a member of this church or not, what God is doing is critical. It is necessary. And it's his grace. He's asking every single person in this fellowship to take an account. Your elders included. And next week, you're going to be blessed by by that. And I'm I'm not going to spoil it, but next week, you're going to be blessed by what that means and what that looks like. But he's asking all of us. It's not whether you're in or out. It's just simply, are are you in? Are you in? Because I'm moving. You want more evidence of God working in this church. Just look at this elder team. You know, when, when I was at Bethany in, in leadership and development of small churches class, they didn't teach us when you want unity in your church that you grab a Lutheran background brother and a guy from the Assemblies of God and a guy from the Baptist church and from the Calvary uh, uh, Chapel and from the Foursquare church and put them all together and say, woohoo, unity. But that's God's way. And he's done it. And you know, even within that, we see things differently. This is, this is not a, a call to, uh, we have doctrinal beliefs and distinctives that define who we are. But even within this elder team, we, we work through things together. We bring the Bible out and we discuss them and we work through them. And not everybody lands in the same position on everything. If you ask guys about end times theology, you're probably going to get slightly different answers from each guy. But it's an incredible unity. And we see, and I, I wish I could give you a window, but, but we see what God is doing in this church and, and in the hours of prayer labored for this body and for the Holy Spirit to move in us. This is not something that happened overnight. You guys can see that. You've been, if you've been here for any amount of time, this is a process. We're going through the same process of what I went through, what you went through, this awakening that we've, that we've been called to, this awakening that God is doing on the earth and he's showing it to us. And here's the thing. Even if this is not the end of time, it is clear that God is moving in the earth right now. And he's made us a part of it. And that's exciting. You know, Paul calls us constantly, walk in a manner Worthy of your calling, he exhorts us. He exhorts us to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I I thought Rory's example of being equipped for battle was so awesome. And as a fellowship, I just want to remind you, we asked for this. We got on our knees before the Lord and we fasted and we prayed and we said, God, whatever you're going to do, we're going to lay our lives before you. and We're going to ask you with open hearts to move. And he's responded. This is not meant to replace the Holy Spirit. It is in partnership with him. So in closing, I just want to say, you might ask, how can you have such confidence, Aaron? We know that God uses men, and we know that men are fallible. And we're not above that. But my answer to you would be this. Because I am on my face, day and night before the Lord, crying out for this church. I fasted this week, most of the week, crying out for you and me, for the elders, to be full of the Holy Spirit. And as long as we stay in a posture of humility and humble prayer, seeking the Lord, seeking his glory, then he's going to continue to move in power for his glory. 
And we're going to have the privilege to participate with the creator of the universe. And that is God's grace. Worship team, if you want to come up and just close us in a song. Worship. I know some of you are struggling. I know that this has been, we're all in a different part, but the story includes you and it includes me. And if you're here today, you're a part of that story. And God is in control. He's in control of what's happening on the earth. And he's in control of what's happening in each one of our stories that has brought us to this point. And he's in control of what he's doing in this church. His past faithfulness demands our present trust. Amen.